Wee, wee, I need my mummy. Shut the mm Welcome, one and all, to another round of the book reviews. Today, I have for you the book, The Codling of the American Mind, and also an impersonation of the ugliest baby and oldest baby you'll ever see. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. So, what's this book about? Well, and why did I choose it? Well, first of all, I had heard this book being referenced so many times on the Joe Rogan experience that... I felt okay. I've got to. I've got to actually read it because he just references so much. It's annoying me not knowing what's actually inside. And I've also listened to a couple of podcasts with one of the authors, Jonathan Haidt, and found him eminently reasonable. and And so I thought, okay, he's probably written an okay book, so I should give this a, a shot. Give it a hear. So it was published in 2018, and it's an explanation of the culture of safetyism, which is actually a word they sort of invented for this book. Um, seen across American campuses from roughly 2013 to 2017, so just before the book was actually released. It comes in four parts, and the parts are the three bad ideas, the bad ideas in action, how did we get here, and then wising up. So I suppose an explanation of, of what it is, how you actually see this in the world, how we got to this point, so what actually triggered the bad ideas, and then what they can do uh, going forward. So what actually is the problem that he's talking about? Well, it's specific, I suppose, well-known instances that you can see, particularly in the US, of very extreme situations occurring, um, as well as general trends of what are happening on the campuses with the young folk and what they're doing. So uh, some of this you could see in the the Berkeley riots against um, Brett Weinstein. Weinstein, I don't know. I, I, everyone pronounces that wrong as well as the Christakis in Yale. So this is where, you know, students are, uh, I, I suppose, behaving very emotionally, very exaggeratedly for what are, you know, relatively perceived slights. Someone saying, perhaps we don't need trigger warnings. Perhaps microaggressions aren't actually a useful concept. Perhaps, you, you know, pe- people should use their own judgment on what they should wear uh, on Halloween rather than being told by the, the campus, this is what you should wear. Do we actually need safe spaces? All these sorts of things. The rise of protecting people from ideas in, in, in general, I suppose, but particularly ideas which they might think are, are harmful. So the themes of the book, there's um, anti-wisdom is, is what I would actually call it. So bad ideas, but being, you know, proclaimed as this is actually really helpful this is going to make things better so the three great untruths so i'll just read this directly from the book what they are so these are the things that jonathan and the uh jonathan height and the other author greg lukianoff lukianoff um identified so the untruth of fragility what doesn't kill you makes you weaker the untruth of emotional reasoning always trust your feelings and the untruth of us versus them. Life is a battle between good people and evil people. So they talk about these three, these three battered ideas, and then I suppose contrast that with what is actually more appropriate and what probably would actually help more f- for these kids who. And I'm saying kids because they're you know the 18 to tw- sort of 21 years old, maybe even a little bit more, a little bit less, but they don't have a huge amount of life experience, and and you know they're coming from straight from high school into university and then, you know, they're confronted, I guess, by what universities are meant to be about, which is, you know, the, the, the search for truth, knowledge, which, you know, knowledge and truth doesn't mean it's going to be pleasant. There's, there's plenty of things you're going to learn in life which aren't, 
you know, feel good. They make you feel good, but they're actually true and you need to know about them. So, it's sort of like the combo of bad advice and energy is almost like it can be incredibly destructive and powerful. The one thing the youth got for them going is their youth, their energy, their the spark, the uh, you know the the drive for activism, the drive to change things. Which I would say, when directed in a you know a, a good direction, <laughs> it's it's gonna you know that can lead to good things happening. But when it's done for the wrong intents, when it's you know there's something wrong about it that's where that activism can turn into a more destructive force which you know potentially isn't good so it's sort of i guess once again saying good intentions are, are not enough you can't just think okay this feels good this might i you know i put a little bit of thought into it and say yeah you know what this is good enough no that's that's not good enough you need to actually make sure that there's a whole bunch of you know steps being taken along the process f- for your own mental stability making sure that what you're doing actually makes sense and then also that the actions you're having in the world are actually producing good outcomes you know walking around campuses with baseball bats getting into fights physical violence things like that while you might think you know by any means necessary i.e like you know punch a nazi in their face sort of tactics that's that's going to make the world better you know if you I, I, would, I would argue if you looked a little bit more you're going to see that's that's not exactly true so the other, so that's that's the first theme, anti-wisdom, the bad ideas infiltrating and, and taking hold and then being put into practice by you know, youthful, energetic people. And then the other one is safety, safetyism and an uncalculated risk. So when you, when you think of safety, you think, oh, I'm making it better. I, it, you know, if it's more safe, it's therefore less risky. But that's, that's a really, uh, I suppose, simple way of thinking about it, a very nuanced topic and you need to, you know, get into the weeds for some of these things. So, uh, in, in brief, a, a culture or a belief system which, in which safety has become a sacred value. So, that's what they describe as safetyism. It's where sacred is the, you know, the purest untouched thing. You can't, you know, question the safety of something. So, if someone is saying, I feel unsafe, you're not allowed to question why that is, how this could be improved, whether yeah, you actually are unsafe or you're just feeling unsafe. You know, all these sort of questions. Safetyism is that culture where it when, once you have a sacred value like that, you're not allowed to question it. And then that can, you know, eventually lead into taking dramatic steps or doing things which, uh, you know, other people from the outside will look at and say, what the hell, this is crazy. You know, if you came across a witch burning nowadays you'd say you know what the hell is going on here this doesn't make any sense but it would make perfect sense to those people in you know the 1800s 1700s because their value systems are aligned to to you know burning witches where you know we've got to get rid of them so i i guess uh he he talks so that they talk in the book both of the they it was the book was covered um about how this safetyism sort of came about and explanations for it so uh, it was born from increased polarization is what they sort of diagnose anxiety and depression from smart devices he paranoid overprotective parenting decline of unsupervised free play and then just the bureaucracy that you actually see that's sort of a necessary part of college campuses almost getting out of order like it's becoming so bureaucratic that it's one of those things where the government just keeps on expanding and expanding until you know it needs to like you know start again fresh and then we'll do it all over again so that was uh, the two themes 
anti-wisdom and safetyism, some of my own personal observations from the book. Well, what I really liked about the book was it combined theory and practice together. So it wasn't just saying, you know, these are all the things happening, maybe diagnosing it, but no, they actually talked about, okay, you know, this specific action here, you can see is sort of a link uh, related to this concept. And this concept became about because of X. So there's a, I, I like the, the real rat. It was a very rational book. You can tell these two, these are two like serious scientists, two serious people who have put a lot of thought and time into making sure that their words are correct and that what, what they're saying, um, you know, makes logical coherent sense, I suppose. So, uh, they had a very strong emphasis on um, CBT, cogn- cognitive behavioral therapy, or, or techniques, if you wanted to put it that way. There some recommendations on on less than two hours of screen time, how that affects kids a whole lot, and how that can actually, you know, there's some sort of studies showing that increasing that screen time beyond two hours is where you get into uh, seeing negative effects on the actual kids themselves. Uh, as well as, you know, sort of types of plays to encourage. So the free play outdoors with either limited supervision or, you know, supervision from the parents, but you're not the one solving the kids' problems. If there's a fight, they have to solve it themselves, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of recommendations in the book, which I actually found quite nice because I was was expecting a more theoretical book, but they also had some practical implementable steps, which uh, I always enjoy um, and which... The mere mortals here, we are, that's something we definitely love. So concept creep is another thing that was not created in the book, but this is where I was referencing it. So I've mentioned concept creep a couple of times. I've got it wrong a couple of times, so I'm going to nail it down right here and right now. So concept creep is uh, it was sort of invented by an Australian um, not too long ago in the mid-2010s, I guess you'd call it that period. And it sort of is that you'll have an idea or a word and it can go downward and then outward. So when it goes downward, it's sort of lessening the severity of what the word originally meant. And then when it goes outwards, that's to encompass new, but, you know, conceptually related phenomenon. So the classic example he gives in in his work of what concept creep is, is trauma. Trauma used to be physical trauma of you know, you got a whiplash, your head got fractured, a physical thing that actually happened. But that, you know, concept of trauma gradually got lessened and lessened until it meant, you know, anything that physically happened to you. Um, you know, I could have, uh, you know, got hurt by um, a, a bullet coming from somewhere, uh, like a rubber bullet. It only stung me, but, you know, it, it actually didn't do anything. Someone flicked me in the ear um, and I got trauma from that. So, that that's sort of the lessening of the severity and then also expanding outwards so trauma what is that well it's you know pain and hurt so okay what else is conceptually related to that well i can get trauma from hurt, uh, being hurt by someone's words i can get trauma from getting hurt by seeing something which is sort of what P- ptsd is so you know it's it's not that you're physically hurt when you've got PTSD. It could be just you've seen something, but then that was used in a war context, which is a very severe. And then now you can get PTSD from, you know, um, a baby crying because that reminds you of your your childhood and whatnot. So just, you know, I'm not, I don't have a bias either way uh, against concept creep of words. That's what naturally happens to certain things. The word literally doesn't mean literally anymore. You can throw that out however you want now. So, uh, you know, I don't particularly have 
a, a grudge or a, a dog in the fight either way. But uh, I do like to be precise with my words. And so if a word is, I find is, is undergoing something like concept creep, that actually says to me that, mm, you know, I maybe shouldn't use this word because it's different people. It, it's open for interpretation. So different people are going to get different meanings from it. The word pivot, for example, you know, that's used so much in a business context now that I don't even think it means to rotate on something. So I'm, I'm not going to use it. Like, I refuse to use it. So anyway, that's just a, a little personal. The, the, grudge, the grudge there is not in the, the moving of words. The grudge is when a, a word is, is becoming so, you know, misshapen, mis, uh, you know, it just means so many different things that it's almost not worth using. Love is a good one. I don't understand how people can use that word. It means 500 billion different things. So in summary, it's a detailed and critical examination of, I guess you'd call it like a particular mass psychological manic. There's, there's some definitely interesting things going on the college campuses. So this is written about the US colleges, but you know we're in Australia, we sort of get the trickle down of the crazy stuff that happens there. Usually five years afterwards, so I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing things like this on our university campuses. It's uh, very sound arguments and well balanced, in, in my opinion. Opinion, and um, yeah, there's uh, there's pres- uh, plenty of specific broad advice contained within. I think that's a that's a good way of putting it. Uh, personally, though, I am just a little bit bored of the the topic. I it's sort of getting into that realm of politics, getting into that realm of you know, extreme cultural news, you need to be on top of it. This is happening in the moment. This isn't going to matter in, you know, 20 years time. And I'm starting to step away from things that I don't think will matter in 20 years time and be like, you know what, that's that's sort of just useless information. So uh, I'm giving the book a five and a half out of 10, The Coddling of the American Mind by Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt. Uh, maybe a little bit of a harsh rating because it was, you know, very good for certain things. So I would recommend this book, I guess, for for those seeking an explanation of maybe some of the more, the more absurd things. So, you, you know, you watch a news article and you see there's rioting on campuses, there's all these things going on. I think this book is actually quite good in explaining some of the underlying psychological reasonings for why, why these things are happening. And um, it straight up just has some great parenting advice, I believe. I don't have a kid. I've never put it into practice myself. But what they said, you know, seems to make sense to me. So what's something pragmatic? Uh, it's just reaffirmed my commitment to not uh, do a, a, a day without screens. So no screen Tuesday for me. So even just when they were talking how for kids, you know, having two hours of screen time, more than that is starting to get into areas of... Mm, and actual foreseeable, preventable, negative outcomes for kids, i.e. like higher stress, higher uh, race of depression, higher anxiety, higher, you know, name, name your bad thing or that people talk about nowadays from, from technology. That's what you get. So for me, that sort of just said to myself, you know what? I probably should have make that actual day like a solid thing unchanging in my routine. So, um, you know, that's reaffirmed my commitment to doing that. So... I hope you enjoyed this. What are your thoughts on on college campuses? On um, you know, there's a little bit of politics in this book as well, which I didn't really get into because I, I just don't find it that interesting. But uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Uh, uh, is is this happening in Australia? Is the coddling of the Australian mind happening as well? Uh, are we taking too much 
you know, precautions with, with safety and not realizing that there's risks and actually being too safe. There's a, a whole big discussion to have there. So if you want to get it started, you can do that wherever. Hit us up on the Instagram, on the YouTube, wherever you're listening to. That's a good place to start. So that's it for today. Karen out.